is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hoping you're getting all the things you need to do done. And we're right there with you. One week till Christmas. But guys, right now, it's time for your holiday weekend getaway. The Mulberry Lane Show. (laughs) It's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie. Mm -hmm. Well, we want you to take us along with you for the next hour. Promise to keep you company with a yuletide of good vibes. That's right. And with the guest list today, you're bound to feel the warmth and sparkle of the season. And a great big thanks to you for joining us here. Mm-hmm. Well, no reason to delay. Let's get to those guests. Let's hit it, sisters. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. Well, up first, it's country hit maker Phil Vassar. You'll know Phil from this song. This song. And this song. rise to fame as first an award-winning songwriter for superstars Jody Messina and Tim McGraw, and then as a recording artist with over 10 number one hits. That's right, Allie, and Phil's going to share the ride from the songwriting to the performance side. And you'll also hear all about his current single, Not So Silent Night, where 100% of the proceeds benefit the Salvation Army. And Phil is also on the Not So Silent Night tour right now with Lone Star. All right, Allie, who else is on the show today? Okay, then, are you an author or do you know an aspiring writer? Or do you know someone who loves superheroes? (laughs) If you answered yes to any of these questions, you have to meet author Marissa Meyer. And she's a New York Times bestselling author, and her latest series is called The Renegade Trilogy, and she's on her second book in this series, and this book is called Arch Enemies. So you'll hear all about how she developed her characters and the plot of this exciting book that's for young adults that features people with superpowers. And wouldn't we all like to have superpowers right now? We definitely would. I need one just to be ready for Christmas. (laughs) And Marissa also gives aspiring writers some really good tips and how she gets into the mindset of her characters. Okay, Rachel, what you got? Are you looking for a gift and you just can't see to find the right one? Well, this year, it's all about personalization and what better place to go than to Etsy, the maker market. You've met her here before. Dana Isom Johnson stops by once again to give you the latest trends in gift giving and some specific sellers that can have you becoming the superhero gift giver. Now, you also might know Dana as a judge on the NBC TV show Making It, hosted by Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman. We're so happy to have Dana back. She's always a lot of fun. Well, Allie, not only do you have Christmas happening this weekend, but it's also Clover's birthday. So how is it going? Well, Rachel, it's kind of funny. So my daughter is turning six this weekend, and she's having a party at Bouncio. 
Just a little funny story for you. The lady from Bounce You called me to ask what pizza toppings we want for her pizzas at the party. And I said we'd like one cheese, one hamburger, and then I meant to say we'd also like one pepperoni. But I was double tasking and looking at my phone and thinking about the holidays, and I said, and then we'd like one peppermint. <laughs> peppermint pizza. And the lady like really laughed, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I guess we can tell what season it's in. I mean, pepperoni. <laughs> well, maybe you started a new flavor of pizza. Peppermint pizza. <laughs> Well, we sisters have also been busy getting ready for our annual acapella Christmas Eve concert. This is December 24th, 11 p.m. at St. Mary Magdalene's Church downtown. You guys have to come out. It's free. It's an hour of traditional Christmas hymns in four-part harmony. Our sister Jamie will be joining us, and you're going to hear some of your favorite traditional holiday favorites. So come out and join the family. Join the sisters. We'd love to see you there. Absolutely. And all the details are on Facebook at Mulberry Lane. Well, stay right there because when you come back, you're going to hang out with hit singer-songwriter Phil Vassar. 10 number one singles in country music and 26 top 40 hits. Can't wait to get you up close and personal with Phil. Stick with your radio sisters here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We are about to infuse your creativity. Meet the celebrities on your radio station. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. You guys are going to catch up with country music hitmaker Phil Vassar. Now, he's in the middle of his not-so-silent night tour, and proceeds from the song benefit the Salvation Army. Now, you guys know Phil from his hits, 10 number one singles and 27 top 40 hits, songs like Just Another Day in Paradise, Six Pack Summer, and many others. He's also a two-time ASCAP Songwriter of the Year winner, and we're thrilled he's here to hang out for a bit. Welcome, welcome to the show, Phil Vassar. That is awesome. We are doing great. It's great to have you back on the show. I know. And we love your musical Hello. Well, you're so sweet. Thanks for having me on. You're the only show I've ever been sung on, you know, sung on to. So it's pretty good. This is pretty, uh, very memorable. People introduce you, but they never sing you on to the show. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so now we have a lot of things to talk about. One is the Not-So-Silent Night song. So talk about that and how you got hooked up with the Salvation Army and are helping them out this season. Well, you know, I mean, I grew up, of course... You know, that little kettlebell outside every department store as I grew up. You know, we'd throw our change in there. And the Salvation Army is Christmas to me, you know. So sort of a natural partnership uh, when we started talking about the song and we should just donate it to, to a charity. And the Salvation Army, they do a lot of great stuff. We love those guys, and it's been great. Let me tell you, it's been really, really great. That's awesome. So now you're doing this tour. And talk about what songs you sing and what it's been like this tour so far. We come out together, me and Lone Star, and we sing uh, some Christmas songs together, like three Christmas songs masked up, and it's really great. And then you know, Lone Star does six of their hits. I do six of my hits. We do a, two hits together. One, we do uh, uh, one of my hits, Just in Paradise, together. We do Walking in Memphis together. And then we do some more Christmas songs. And, and also we have a uh, somebody from the Salvation Army sings with us at every show. So it's really oh, been fun. I bet they love that. That's a great <laughs> It is so cool. Yeah. I know. We do a couple of Christmas songs together, and it's been so much fun. So what's it like being on the road with Lone Star? Is this the first time you've toured with them? Oh, I mean, we've done shows together over the years. And, of course, I've known these guys since way before 
any of us got our record deals okay. or we were just writers and you know, we're all kicking around town trying to figure out what we're going to be when we grow up you know and, right and they're really great i love getting on stage with them every night and hanging out with them after and before it's uh, it's really really special really special deal now, there's a couple reasons why you are a unique country music artist and one of those is that you were a songwriter before you were an artist so talk about how you transitioned from songwriting to artists well, you know, I always considered myself a singer way before I was a songwriter. You know, I came to town, and I didn't really write much. You know, I, I mean, I did write, but I didn't write. Obviously, I didn't write very good songs, songs you know. And then I started meeting all the songwriters in town. I'm going, oh, my God. That's when I knew I wasn't very good. I, had to, I was going to have to hone my craft. And so, I mean, I was playing bars, playing clubs, piano bars. Uh-huh. A lot like Billy Joel kind of did, right. you know, right? So you playing bars. Billy and, Joel. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so we did that, and then, uh, you know, my writing got better. I got a, a publishing deal and started writing songs. You know, of course, we then started having a bunch of hits as a writer and still playing in my own bar. I had my own bar in Nashville. Okay. I was trying to get a record deal, not a writing deal. So, uh-huh. yeah. But it's funny because the labels didn't like my songs. They hated my songs. But, of course, I knew Garth and Tim McGraw and Kenny and Joe D and Colin Ray, all these people, Alan Jackson. We all knew each other because we all came to town at the same time, you know? Okay. So we knew each other, and they liked my songs. So. Well, that's that what mattered, that. right? The, the artists that right. your song. So what was the number one thing you would say that helped you hone your craft? Would you say it was songwriting with other people? Or what did you do personally that helped you get better at songwriting? Well, I think it's, you know, I always equate it to golf or like even building cabinets or something like the first cabinet you ever build, you know, the shelves are all crooked, it's, it's not together well. But, you know, by the time you build your hundreds, you know, you're going, oh, okay, wait a minute, this is better. A lot of people write songs and they sound like they're songwriters. It's like you try to write songs that don't sound like you're trying to write a song. Yeah. You know, that's what I always try to tell people. It's like, man, be as conversational as you can. It's so funny, one of my buddies, and of course, writing with guys like Robert Byrne and Charlie Black and Rory Burke and people like that who were all wonderful songwriters you know they would um you know give me great advice and <laughs> and it's like you'd ask him how songwriting appointment went and they would go you know what it's just a song that rhymes that's all i can say yeah so that's what i mean it's like yeah the words rhyme but it just, it's not that good right so so i think it's uh you know no soul no you know it doesn't really mean anything and uh, you just have to write about something that means something to you that uh, you know evokes some emotion whether it's fun or you want to go have a party or you want to you break up with somebody or you're in love or you know whatever it may be Hit-making country music singer-songwriter Phil Vassar here on the Mulberry Lane Show. And did it take you a while to get to the truth of who you are and what you want to write about? Absolutely. It did. Yeah. Um, it, it took me a while, you know. And finally, you know, it was songs that I wrote by myself, like Bye Bye, I'm Alright, or for my next 30 years, songs like that. Yeah. You know, I just wrote them. You know, I didn't think anything of it. And I, I didn't know if they'd ever be a hit. I just wrote them because, you know, I was going, I had a birthday. So I wrote my song that day. I, or I was going to see a friend of mine I hadn't seen since college, you know. So I wrote I'm All Right on the interstate, literally in my car. You know, but they were real honest stories and that, that some people didn't like. And, and uh, they tried to get me to change. And I'm like, you know, this is the story. I'm not going to change the story. It's right. the truth. And so, so you what, know, there you go. What was it about you that made you stay true to that? Because I think so many artists are led astray by what the industry people tell them to do well i mean i I look at that too you know you do have to play ball with some of these guys and i did and i regret some of it you know i really do there's always that but Mm -hmm. for the most part i really got to do what i wanted to do a because i was a hit songwriter right because right 
I had all these number one songs before I got a record deal. And there wasn't anybody telling me how to write a song because uh, what are they going to do? I mean, you I already knew record. how to write a yeah. song. Even to this day, you know, you'll hear somebody, well, this song, you know, say, don't tell me about how many number one songs have you ever written? None. I'm not trying to be a, a butthead or anything, but it's like, look, you know, you don't know anything. Well, I think really that is so true because so many people who maybe work for record labels or management companies, they think just because they work there, they know how everything works. But they don't really see, exactly. you know, the mind and the muse of a writer. Oh, of course they don't. And they don't care. Honestly, they really don't. They really do think they know a lot a lot more than they know. And, you know, I've had a lot of those knock-down drag-outs with those people because I'm just like, listen, you know, yeah. you're an accountant. You went to accounting school. You don't know anything about what a hit song is or sounds like. They just don't know. Right. right. And, uh, you know, not every song you write's good. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that. I sure... I sure have written some bad ones. <laughs> yeah. you know, hopefully you'll never hear them, right? <laughs> so now, is there any songwriter that you just really look forward to writing with because it's, it's kind of magical every time you get together? Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, I've written lots of songs with Craig Wiseman and Charlie Black and I have written a lot of hits together. And, and uh, you know, Rory Burke, I mean, it's hard to find those guys that you just get a mesh with. Jeffrey uh-huh. Steele, or some of my favorites. They're great guys. Great guys, and I have hiccups. I'm so sorry. I have hiccups. I'm, I'm like, I have hiccups. I just I ate lunch, and I'm like, I guess I must have eaten so fast. I have the hiccups. We have so a, funny. We have a rare exclusive. Phil Vassar with the hiccups. I'm just telling you, I don't think I've ever had hiccups in an interview ever. First time for everything. Can you take us? <laughs> can you take us through the writing of just another day in paradise, and just tell us how you came up with that and and the story behind it. Well, you know, Just Another Day in Paradise was just seriously one of those songs where we wrote in, uh, in minutes. You know, we, we sat down, I mean, how was your morning? And we were running late. And I think Craig just about ran out of gas. And uh, my washing machine had literally flooded my kitchen. Uh-huh. I had that, the hose had come out of the pipe, you know, and flooded my kitchen. I'm running through it. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? And somebody's at my door. It was one of those hectic mornings. I'm just trying to get out of it. Right. Out of the house. And then. Um, so not really you know, paradise we, is what you're saying. It, it was, but it was like funny because we got there, we started talking about our day, and we just kind of started to calm down and we laughed and said, man, how good is our life? We get to write songs for a living. <laughs> how bad could it possibly be? And it just in a damn paradise. That was like, yeah, I guess it is. I said, well, I guess that's the title of our song. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was it. And then did you have a feeling when you had finished that this was going to be, you know, something? I knew it was a good song. I yeah. mean, I knew it was a good song. I mean, I think you know... It's like I always say golf, you know. It's like I know when I hit a good shot, right? You know, yeah. you, did, you hit a good shot. Everybody really liked it. As soon as I got back to the publishing company, I was at EMI at the time. Mm-hmm. They loved it, man. They said, it's great. And in no time, people were trying to cut it. So Lone Star had actually gone into the studio to record the song. Uh-huh. And they recorded it. And, of course, about a week later, my record label, Arista, had decided they were going to push up the release of my record by a year. My label called me in, and they said, we've decided to move the release of your record up. You're going to bypass these other five artists. Wow. I said, well, okay, when, was, when is it coming out? And they said, three weeks. I said, what? <laughs> so we want you to go ahead and finish your record. Um, we, we put a, a cease and desist on Just Under Damn Paradise. We want you to cut that wow. um, for the record. And Lone Star cut it. and so anybody, It was a big stink there for a minute, you know? Yeah. But obviously we're label, all friends now. <laughs> well, of course we are. And we do it together in the show, and it's really fun. You know? and of course, Of course, they um, you know, they cut the crap out of it. They, it's, it was awesome. Their version of it's great. Uh-huh. And um, so I, I know it would have been a hit no matter what. It just uh, ended up being a hit for me. More with hit-making singer-songwriter Phil Vassar when we come back right here on the Mulberry Lane Show.
keeping you in touch with your creativity. behind the songs back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane thanks for keeping it here on the mulberry lane show in the middle of a chat with country music hitmaker phil vassar talking all about the writing of the hits and you're getting a good look behind the scenes of this country music superstar let's get back now with phil vassar the other reason you're unique is you're a pianist so in a guitar town so how hard yeah. is that you know i'm a what oh, a piano player a piano player in a guitar oh i'm just town. kidding i don't get the joke anyway thank you. but but yeah i am a um, i am a piano player in a guitar town and i actually brett james and i wrote a song called uh, piano man in a guitar town which i really love i guess i need to put that song out at some point yeah how much pushback did you get and you know did people say can't you just pick up a guitar and or did they say you're not uh, country all of that yeah you're not country. I said, well, you know, Ronnie Millsap's had a pretty daggone good career. So did Jerry Lee Lewis. And they said, well, you need to play guitar and wear a hat. Yeah. So they literally would try to get me to wear a hat and play guitar. I said, look, I don't wear a cowboy hat unless I'm really riding a horse <laughs> and I'm in the sun. You know, these guys aren't cowboys anyway. But George Strait's a cowboy. That guy rides horses and he, he can wear a hat if he wants, man. But a lot of the guys that wear hats just wear it because they don't have any hair or, <laughs> or something, you know? Right. So I'm like, look, Elton John, Billy Joel, they've all done pretty good. Bruce yeah. Hornsby. Absolutely. There aren't very many of us when you think about it. So, That's true. So for a while there, my point of difference was my piano playing. And uh, in a business, you're always looking for that, right? Your point mm-hmm. of difference. And the funny and, thing um, is, your point of difference, so many people want to take that away and make you like everybody else. Exactly. Yeah. Nope. Well, so, well, everybody else plays guitar and wears a hat. Why do I need to do it? Right. right. So it was hard to get a deal. And then finally, I think people was like, were, I mean, I'm glad Arista took a chance and, and Tim Dubois. And, and he said, go make a record. He said, you know how to write hit songs, obviously. He said, go just do it. And so they let me go make my record, which never happened. Yeah. You know, that came out and it was a platinum record. So I guess it's good. We had a bunch of hits on that album. Did you have a hard time finishing it up in three weeks? You know what? It really was interesting because we put the single Carlene out first and then the record label closed. Oh. So the record label closed. Arista folded into RCA. Yep. BMG. The label closed. So we had no staff. Nobody was working except the radio staff stayed there. Uh-huh. But people just kept playing the song, and the song went all the way up to the top of the charts. Oh, my gosh. With no, with no label help. When my record came out, I didn't even have any records in the store. Oh. So it, it's phenomenal. I mean, they, they don't even know how many records the record would have sold if we'd had uh, they, records. In isn't store. that just so frustrating, too, because you probably would have sold, like, a ton more if they were there. Absolutely, millions, probably more. But you know what, though? I mean, but I'm still here. I'm still playing. I've had all these hits. I've, I mean, b- believe me, we all have these stories. I mean, yes. but I still somehow or another, it I'm still here. It always comes back to the song, though. It really does. And then the next single, of course, was Paradise, which was a big number one song for mm-hmm. me. So there you go. Right up. There you go. Okay, so talk, can't about, complain. talk about songs from the cellar. It's a lot of fun. I have a really neat old house in Nashville, and it's a hundred-year-old house, and it's got a cellar in it. You know, it used to be a storm cellar that I turned into a wine cellar. So it was a bomb shelter. Now I call it a bombed shelter. <laughs> you get bombed in it. So, I like that use so, much better. I do too. I've been in my house for 20 years. We just decided, I said, I always wanted to make it a wine cellar because some of my neighbors have some of the most incredible wine cellars in the United States. I mean, like multi, 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 multi million dollar wine cellars. Wow. 
with, I mean, it's amazing, right? I mean, so they're like, dude, you need to do this. This is a great old house. You need to turn this into your wine cellar. So I eventually did. It's the coolest little room in the house, right? And then uh-huh. John Rich, my neighbors, like Tommy Shaw from Sticks, Peter Frampton, all these people. So we'd sit in there. And we, I said, we have got to record this. All my songwriter buddies, Tony Arada, Jeff Steele, Mike Reed, whoever would come over. And I got these cameras, and we just started shooting a TV show. Just really, it was as a vanity project. And then um, PBS just picked it up this year, so now it's finally airing. And we're going to be doing a whole lot more stuff. I mean, Mike Tyson did my show, and Carrot Top, all kinds of people. And, you know, there's nothing like seeing those caliber of artists in such a relaxed atmosphere. Nothing. Nothing like it at all. It's like we're sitting there, we're having a glass of wine, you know, Vince, a bunch of people, you know, I'm going to get Garth to do my show. All these people are going to do my shows. It's really, really, really cool. Some of the new artists, Cam did it. Okay, but so a who lot gets of the, the best know, wine? Um, well, I get the best wine. <laughs> As you should. That's my cellar. No, but it's really, really cool, man. I, I, I think we're going to start shooting some of this stuff out on location in uh, Sonoma, Napa, Coppola, some of those wineries like that. And, and not to mention some of the ones in Virginia. So, huh, so awesome. it's a great pairing. <laughs> yes, it is. Look at you. <laughs> you knowing your wine. <laughs> You're listening to the Mulberry Lane Show here with country music hitmaker and singer songwriter Phil Vassar. All right, well, Phil, before we let you go, since this is the holiday time of year, would you leave our listeners with a holiday or Christmas message? Um. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost in the action. Anyway, I got that going for me. Um, I love, love that. You know what, man? For me personally, this is my favorite time of year. It's when I come home, I get off the road, my family's together, all of us. It's nothing better. It's quiet and it's just, uh, it's beautiful. Being in Nashville for Christmas is my favorite, my favorite thing in the whole wide world. And, uh, you know, my mom, my family, everybody usually comes to see me. And, you know, I've got the kids and they're growing up now, so it's really fun to to really actually get to spend some time with my daughters that are really, really growing up. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's, it's beautiful. It really and I'm is. I'm sure I you mean, break I, out I, the good wine. Well, you know what? I do. What's funny is I'm not much of a drinker, but, you know, if it's really, really good, I really, really like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and do you break out the song, you know, to your family? Do you sing over the holidays? Okay, I used to have the best Christmas Eve party, and I'm talking about everybody you can think of would come to it. We would sit around my piano and sing, and from Reba to whoever, flat wow. to all my neighbors. You, you, you need to make that a PBS special. Well, that could happen. You know, we've already talked about doing that, a Christmas special from my house. We were going to try to do it this year, but we just couldn't. You know, with, with the tour, you know, of course, Kelly and Tickler and I did it last year together, and we had so much fun, and uh, it's definitely going to be something I do every year, actually. Um, and for you know. your Christmas special, you can have mold spice wine. Yeah. Okay. Is that what it is? Yeah, mold spice wine. wine. Actually, That's our mom really- serves that at our holiday party. So really? It's, yeah, it's like a spicy Christmas warm wine. That, that sounds great. There you it's go. It's really good. Tell mom to bring me some. I want to take mom. Okay, next time you uh, come through Nebraska, we'll have you over for some mold spice wine. I think we're doing Comstock this year, which is coming back, oh, I do yeah. believe. Where in Nebraska are you guys again? We're in Omaha. Omaha. I love it. Yeah. Well, say hello to uh, Mr. Buffett and Astrid. Tell them I said hello. Okay. I love Warren and Astrid. They're wonderful people. We sure will. And uh, I've loved them. Uh, 
hanging out with them over the years. That awesome. is great. So give everybody my love, will you please? Okay, thanks, Phil. Thanks so much for stopping by. We love it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to you guys. Thanks for having me on. I love you. Merry Christmas, Phil. Phil Vassar spreading the holiday love here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Keep it right here. You're going to meet best-selling author Marissa Meyer. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show, where creativity rules. Chestnuts are roasting, everybody's toasting. Look at Rudolph's nose, it's glowing, it's glowing. In-laws, outlaws, bird dogs, dirty paws, deep in the end of Oh my, that just happened. What was that? Yeah, that's right. Here we go. Not so silent, not so silent, not so silent night. We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, need a superhero in your life? Check out Young Adult Trilogy, the Renegades Trilogy, written by New York Times best-selling author Marissa Meyer. Now, the latest book in the trilogy, Arch Enemies, is out now. And Marissa is here to let you in on why superheroes are the latest thing in young adult fiction and why the young adult in your life would love this series. Welcome, welcome to the show, Marissa Meyer. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Let's talk about the superhero genre because it's really become a thing. Why are we, as a society, so drawn to superheroes right now? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a genre that just keeps on giving. I think that we saw the rise of superheroes way back during World War II, and we've kind of seen parallels with our real-world society in times of, you know, conflict and strife. And I think when we look around our world and we see war and we see terrorism and natural disasters happening, uh, and there's this vicarious fantasy that we want superheroes we want people who are able to go out and do something about this. Um, or even better, we want to be superheroes ourselves and feel like we could have the power to go out and change and it. change things. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice, yeah. absolutely. Talk about the characters in the Renegade trilogy. Sure. So we have two main characters in this series. We have Nova, a girl who has actually been raised by supervillains. Uh, okay. And she is determined to find a way to destroy this very powerful, powerful syndicate of superheroes called the Renegades. Uh, And so in the first book, she is actually able to infiltrate the Renegades, and she becomes a spy in their ranks. But in doing so, she meets a boy named Adrian, who is himself a renegade and also happens to be the son of Nova's worst enemies. And the two of them, they meet and they start to develop some feelings for each other, while at the same time, their alter egos are becoming arch enemies. Where does this book pick up? Arch Enemies takes place not long after the end of Renegades. There's kind of a a cliffhanger ending at the end of Renegades. Nova and Adrian both have these aliases that they're trying to keep secret from everyone and keep secret from each other, which just becomes more and more complicated as they are finding themselves torn in their loyalties to their families, their allies. That's um, tough. To each other you and, created and a really hard situation for them, didn't you? 
I know. Well, we can't make it too easy. <laughs> you have to keep us we in suspense. We have one more book to go. We'll see how it turns out. <laughs> so now, why do you think readers feel so connected to your characters? You know, I try hard to write characters that uh, readers are going to enjoy spending some time with. I want them to be fun. I want them to have cool skills and powers that people can admire. But I'm also trying to make them feel like, you know, real human beings. They have dreams and goals for their future, but they also have fears and weaknesses, and sometimes they make mistakes. I hope my readers will be able to connect with on a lot of different levels. Uh And where do you get your inspiration, you know, for your characters, for your storylines? As writers, we kind of go through life almost like with a little antenna on our heads, and we're just trying to pick up as much material from our, our world around us as we can. I get ideas from song lyrics, from snippets of overheard conversations, books that I read, and movies that I watch. I mean, you just never know what's going to spark a new idea. So now, do any of your characters ever surprise you where you think it's going one way, but your character kind of pulls you in a different way? Oh, all the time. Do you ever fight with your characters over what they're going to do? have a plan. I'm an outline writer, so I I usually have a good idea of where the story is heading, but I feel like if a a character starts behaving differently or taking the story in another direction, it can be annoying Uh because, like, I have a plan. Stick to the plan. Uh, But at the same time, I feel like it's a good sign because that must mean that I've done my job of creating a character that kind of has a life and a personality of their own. Uh, So I do my best to kind of follow along with it when I can. If you're just Joining us, you're listening to New York Times bestselling author Marissa Meyer here on the Mulberry Lane Show. If you have some advice for a writer who may be tuning in and would love to be doing what you're doing, how would you advise them on the creative process, you know, the steps to becoming a writer? Right. Well, I always wanted to be a writer. This was my dream since I was a little girl. But for me, you know, as a teenager, I had this goal of being published. And there were times when I would be so focused on this goal of, of getting my name on the cover of a book where I would get really, really angry and frustrated with myself when it ended up taking time and it didn't happen overnight. You know, it's a, it can be a long process. So one of the things that I try to tell is inspiring writers is to be patient uh, and be kind to yourself, to take the time you need to develop your voice and learn this craft. Yes, it's great to have the goal of being published. It's a totally wonderful, worthy goal, but don't be so focused on being published that you forget that the very process of writing and storytelling and coming up with this stuff is fun. It should be fun. It should be magical. So enjoy that journey. Uh And then do you have have anything, you know, special in your office or, you know, something you drink or do to bring inspiration or, or a little ritual you go through before you sit down and write? Well, I'm spoiled. My husband is a carpenter, and so I have a beautiful writing studio oh, how nice. um, that he built for me. Your floor to ceiling bookshelves and a vintage rolling ladder, uh, and it's just my little paradise. Oh, how awesome! It is, it is awesome. Um, so, kind of for me, going out to my writing studio is the signal that okay, okay. we're we're no longer in mom mode or wife mode. Now uh-huh. we're switching over to writer mode, and I'll usually sit down and do like a ten or fifteen minute meditation, and then I'll open up my document, remember where I am in the story, 
For me, I like doing short writing sprints, so I'll set my timer for maybe 20 or 30 minutes uh, and start writing. And how old are your kids? Four years old. I have twins. And any words of inspiration for that mom who might be tuning in that has a special passion, but maybe has put it on hold while, you know, she's busy raising kids? What would you say to her? And, of course, uh, you know, family is always number one. Uh, family is so important. But I think it's important also to realize that your children, they will look to you. You know, you are their role model. You are the example. And I think it's really important for kids to see their parents following their passions and having dreams and, and being something other than just mom or just dad. I love that. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you can set some time aside to focus on yourself and focus on your dream, I think that's a really important thing and a healthy thing for the family. And we totally agree with that. And we love that you are bringing this message. Thank you so much, Marissa, for joining the show. Your next series, you'll have to come back and give us an update. I would love to. New York Times bestselling author Marissa Meyer here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Check out her latest book, Arch Enemies. When we come back, you're going to hear from Etsy trend expert Dana Isom Johnson on some awesome personalized gifts for the holidays. Keep it here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you've hung out with her here before, and you may know her from being a judge on the NBC crafting show, Making It. She's Etsy trend expert Dana Isom Johnson, and she's here just in time to give you some last-minute gift ideas for some really thoughtful and personalized gifts. Welcome, welcome back to the show. Dana Isom Johnson. You just always brighten my day with that. Gosh, I love that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's always great catching up with you. And, of course, we follow you on Instagram, so we keep up with you there. But right now, gift giving is really all about those personalized, thoughtful gifts. And, of course, Etsy is a great place to go for that. Give us the latest trends and some really good, thoughtful gift ideas. Absolutely. So the thing that I'm loving the most is what I'm titling the new selfie. It's not the selfie that you think. It is working with an Etsy seller and having an illustration made. So there are lots of different ways that you can have this done. There's one seller who I absolutely love. Her name is Jordan Grace Owens, and she creates magnets out of your faces. So you send her a picture of your family, and then all of a sudden you are illustrated and you are turned into mini magnets. So what's the price range for something like that? Well, it depends. So for Jordan's magnets range from about $38 and up, depending on how many people in your family you have. Another person who I really love creates these incredible family portrait 3D necklaces, and they're just as awesome. It's called Madalena Clay Stories, and her necklaces are $40. So, you know, you're seeing a range of prices. I encourage you to find the person you like, reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love for this to be a holiday gift. Is everything in line in terms of shipping time? Great suggestion. So what are some other trends we're seeing this season? So I am absolutely loving, and it's incredibly popular for DIY kits, whether that be a kimchi-making kit, a beer-brewing kit, a punch needle kit, and wow. everything in between. I know, it's insane. That's awesome. And what about some creative gift ideas for kids, something that might take them away from their electronic devices for a few minutes? <laughs> exactly. So, But you know what's very interesting in terms of searches on Etsy? 
one of the most popular items has been wooden toys. Oh. It's really, truly this walk down memory lane in terms of personalizing and thinking of the things that were popular 20, 30 years ago. Wooden trucks that you can have personalized with their name, wooden dolls, also superhero capes are huge that you can get personalized. Oh, yeah, they are great. And then, oh my gosh, I think the number one search thing this year, though, has absolutely been any and everything dealing with unicorns and llamas. <laughs> so you can't go wrong giving a unicorn or a llama this season. <laughs> so now what about men? And some of the things that I'm really loving, like for the grill masters in our life, Aha. Etsy sellers have so many wonderful handcrafted aprons that can be personalized. You can marry that um, with the seasoning kits and herbs. So that's a great little completed gift there. Uh-huh. And then for the guy who, you know, maybe a little bit more fancy, there are so many Etsy sellers that create beautiful cufflinks because every oh. guy, you know, has gotten cufflinks, but how can you step that up and personalize it? So there are some Etsy sellers who allow you to choose the birthstone to go in the side, or you can send them their children's artwork, and they'll create a mini version, and you can put that on the side of the cuffling. Oh, or, um, yeah, so it's, it's a great way to still have that traditional idea, but amp it up a bit. And it's very personal. Well, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Etsy trend expert Dana Isom Johnson here on the Mulberry Lane Show, giving you the latest trends for all your gift-giving needs. Now, Dana, I have a bunch of sisters. So what are some great ideas for women gifts? Oh, for sure. So I'm really loving the handwriting jewelry trend. So if you guys have a special saying, or if you've ever written each other notes, Uh you can ask the seller, you take, you know, a scan, you don't even need to send them original copies, you take a scan of whatever note they wrote you, You send it to the Etsy seller, and then they do a handwriting transfer, and they can turn it into a bracelet or into a necklace. That's really special. I love it. I actually just did it with one of my mom's recipes. She finally decided to give up the goods and and tell me the recipe. I had an Etsy seller put it in a ceramic dish for me, and so now I always have my mom's recipe in a dish. That's beautiful. I love that. Before we let you go, Dana, tell us what you're up to personally. You were a judge on the NBC crafting show, Making It. What's going on with that and what's new in your life? Well, Making It, thankfully, everyone loved it. So we are coming back for season two. Yay! Which is incredible. I actually just posted on my Instagram, we are officially casting for the makers. Okay. So if you are a creative, I encourage you to visit NBC.com, click casting, and then click our show Making It and apply to be a part of the wonderful magic that we are producing for families to watch, for friends to watch, and to really be inspired by creativity. We are casting now and we'll be filming soon. Okay, we'll be watching for that. And we have about 30 seconds left. So do you have any inspiring words about keeping your creativity alive? Oh, wow. Okay, you know what? Think about your six-year-old self. We were all creative at six years old. What sparked you then is what's going to spark you today. Creativity means so many things. It doesn't mean you have to knit a blanket. It means you can decorate cookies with your family. It means you can color in an adult coloring book and choose all the beautiful colors. Creativity is not a one-size-fits-all. 
I really love that. And you know, what you're saying is so true. If we just get in touch with our six-year-old selves, you know, we'll have it made. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dana, always great to catch up with you. And next time around, we'll catch up once again. Thank you, Rachel. Happy holidays. You too. Thanks, Dana. That's Etsy trend expert Dana Isom Johnson with some awesome last minute gift ideas for your holiday gift giving list. Dana, thanks for joining us on the show today. And wow, I think I just have to buy a few more things before Christmas. Yes, very dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sisters, who else do we have to thank? New York Times bestselling author Marissa Meyer stopped by your weekend to tell you all about her brand new book in her trilogy. Now it's the Renegades trilogy and the book you heard about is called Arch Enemies. And Marissa, thanks for bringing your creative vision and for giving our listeners some tips on effective writing and loved hearing about your writing space. Yep, it sure pays off to be married to a carpenter. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sisters, who else? Phil Vassar, we want to thank you for joining the sisters on the show today. Phil, we loved hearing about your new Christmas single, Not So Silent Night, and all the proceeds go to the Salvation Army. What could be better than that? And we love nothing better than to bring to our listeners a singer and songwriter who's had 10 number one singles and 26 top 40 hits. Love your perspective, your advice to up-and-coming singer-songwriters, and the new direction you're taking your career with your PBS series, Phil Vassar's Songs from the Cellar. Definitely going to be another bestseller. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that wraps up another episode of the Mulberry Lane Show. Hope your holidays are jingling along. We will see you next weekend. And before we go, you've got to head over to the Mulberry Lane Facebook page and see our latest song we recorded for you guys called Christmas Maker. And don't forget to join us live December 24th, Monday night, Christmas Eve, 11 p.m., downtown Omaha at St. Mary Magdalene Church. Your radio sisters have their annual acapella Christmas concert, four-part harmony. Our sister Jamie is joining us. From 11 to midnight, we sing your best love Christmas songs. Midnight Mass follows, but our concert is open to the public, all denominations, and it's free. Hope to see you there. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, that's a wrap. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I'm sliding through.